Welcome to the Sisters of Industry podcast with hosts Laura Brown and Jen Williams, where the goal is to help you work harder, lean smarter, and live life better. Where one bloodline and different industry experiences will provide new insight to make you more effective at work and play. Our mistakes will help all of us laugh and learn. Get ready to lean in, lean out, and possibly snort coffee out your nose as they talk about all things business, leadership, and life. Let's go. Laura, and that guy for me, or should I say that gal, is the person who wants to continue debating inputs and alternatives for a decision that we already made. Please just move on and stop it already. I'm Jen, and I think that guy is the one who pulls up beside you in a car and blocks your ability to see traffic as you're getting ready to turn in the opposite direction. Um, please no, wait your turn, literally. We've all had to deal with that guy or that girl more times than we can count. But sometimes that person is in your office and it's not as simple as driving away in the opposite direction. Laura and I are going to take the next couple of episodes to talk about how you might handle that guy. And y'all better buckle up because next week we're talking about mentoring and coaching. But this week we're starting with the situations where firing someone is definitely on the table. Jen, today we are talking about that guy, or let's be equal opportunity, that girl who is a problem in the office. So I think the first thing we should do, let's name some names. So could you name for me the six people <laughs> that you struggle with the most? Is the is the necessary caveat here that if you can't come up with anyone, then it's probably you? Um, oh, well played. Way to turn that around. <laughs> Your joke is better than my joke right out of the gate today. So you're right. What is that phrase? If you can't figure out who the weird relative is, it's because it's you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well and I kept thinking about that as we were getting ready to have this conversation is, you know, we're talking, we're going to talk about dealing with that guy. But then there is the whole other side of what what happens when you're that guy. Well, maybe we'll have to do a series at some point on how to not be a jerk. I, can we call it that too? I yes. already have some graphic design <laughs> ideas for that. So let's go ahead and acknowledge up front since we joked about it though. Sometimes you could be that guy or that girl and we will cover that in future episodes. But before we start, let's just say this. You should always have a self-monitoring policy in place, both taking time to self-reflect, but also make sure you've identified one or two people that you work around or with that are prepared to call you out if you become that guy or that girl. And if you're not doing that today, guys, pause this podcast, (laughs) write down that note, and then you may resume listening to how you're going to deal with other people that are that guy or that girl. Is that a fair assignment, Jen? Absolutely, because we only experience a room when we're actually in it, so we don't know the difference. If we're not asking someone to explain the difference when we're not in the room and when we are, then we're missing some really appropriate self-analysis. So having said that, let's get into when it is other people. Jen, I'm thinking we're going to come at this from a couple of different ways. So when we're dealing with that guy or that girl in the office, um, that could be someone that works for you that you work for, awkward, or someone that you are working around or with a lot. 
Yes. It can come from any angle. So let's just talk first to make sure that we're bringing all our listeners in with us. When we say that guy or that girl, what kind of behavior comes to mind for you that we're looking out for or we're trying to address? Um, To me, some of it is the just inappropriate behaviors, the person who's, you know, I mean, not to be so simple, but simply not kind, not cooperative. But I think we're also looking at behaviors like that person who always wants to have the last word, that person who wants to take undue credit, or even that person who is determined to work in a silo when you're trying to work in a team. Those are some of the things I think of right away. It's really good. I mean, like the credit one is a really good example. Is there that person that, um, you know, a team does a body of work, they don't engage very much, but they somehow consistently position themselves to be the presenter when it's time to give the information to executive leadership, for example, right? Mm -hmm. That is a demotivating behavior and something that becomes a problem. Sometimes it's that person who um, the gossip in the break room um, in corona times the IMing behind the scenes is where they're more active than an actually productive work right it's mm-hmm. the person who's creating distractions or to be really kind of corporate formal about it it's that person who isn't aligning themselves with your cultural values or the way you say you want to do business. It's the person who puts self ahead of team. It's the person who, um, in order to get things done, steps all over other people, um, burning a lot of bridges, right? Um, but it's important to just acknowledge it's someone where there's a gap, Um behaviorally typically sometimes it can be in the actual work but what we're really getting at today is that person that is just combative or difficult to work with independent of the quality or the output of their work Mm -hmm. so let's start Jen with talking about when I just want to start with the good one I'm just I'm not even gonna lie we're starting with the good one what happens when you work for the person that is difficult I think this (laughs) one is just I just want to get into it right um it Jen Initial thoughts from you on I am working for someone or someone with an authoritative relationship over me is that guy that isn't functioning the way we should be. This one's so frustrating because I think the immediate place you almost have to go is do I stay here? Right? There's immediately that question of I'm not in a position to change or confront this person on their behavior, which isn't necessarily true. However, I think the immediate instinct can be oh my goodness, this person's the boss. I either have to deal with it or get out. Jen, I think you went right there, but it's totally appropriate because should I stay or should I go is absolutely. Uh, hey, that was an episode title. Like, eight months ago. I love it. Um, Should I say or should I go is the first thing here. Like you do have to recognize, am I ever going to be able to influence this situation or figure out a way to work with it? Because if not, you might as well acknowledge you may not have a long-term fit and you are the one that might have to make a move. Because I will say that you do not want to become the person who starts playing internal politics or behind the back games Mm -hmm. to try to manipulate the outcome of someone else in the organization because you will become someone you do not want to be. And I'm just going to put that out there in preach mode. Don't be that person. Absolutely. And I think that the passive aggressive approach is never the right approach. And it it can be easy to go that direction, especially when you're we're dealing this direction. When you're working for the person that is that guy, 
it can be easy to start to play the game, the passive aggressive. I'm just going to, you know, not set them up to look good or I'm going to be underhanded here. Um, That's never good. You need to be honest and open about it and find an opportunity to respectfully have a conversation. And I realize that, again, we're talking about the person who maybe doesn't exhibit great behavior. And so the there's an immediate pushback to, okay, but how am I going to have a respectful conversation there? But again, this is just like we teach our kids all the time. You're not responsible for someone else's behavior. You are responsible for your own. And I think, and we've covered it in previous episodes, and I would remind our listeners to go back and cover some of this we talked about disagreeing well in a previous Mm -hmm. conversation and at some point one of the greatest things we can learn and i would say this goes in the in general adulting this is not about corporate leadership this is not about church leadership this is about being an adult one of the greatest skills we can learn is getting comfortable with having the uncomfortable conversation. And this is a place where it is one of the most appropriate places to practice that skill. And it is saying, I know this isn't going to be comfortable for either of us. I know there's even maybe a risk to me doing this, but I am going to be open and honest and have a conversation about what isn't working here. You might need to think about how to do it in a way that is not directly combative, but You need to do that. If you are not having the uncomfortable conversation and are instead choosing to be the comfortable gossiper or the comfortable political manipulator to try to fix this situation, you just became that gal. Yes. Don't do it. Yes. Oh, man, we're hammering this one. Go, go, go. (laughs) I think um, it probably goes without saying, but the only other thing I would add um, to this one is... So we've said, you got to know your limits and recognize when you need to go. You need to be open and honest about it. And I would also just remind everyone that time is also important. Do not let this stuff bottle up and explode, especially when you're dealing with someone who has an authoritative position um, over you. Because Mm -hmm. I think, um, first, the sooner you deal with it, the better chance you have of influencing the behavior. If A habit developed is a hard one to break. If it's a new behavior or something where you're just getting to know each other and you need to establish boundaries, it's going to be a lot better to go there early as opposed to waiting until you've reached your breaking point. A habit's been developed and then just losing your crap. Yes. Yeah. You you cannot explode. You cannot, again, play the game of I'm not going to be confrontational. There is a way to be appropriately confrontational so that you're not stuffing it and then you're just waiting to explode all over everything and everybody. Um, So I think really good views there on what to do with that. And we'll again and again come back to this. And even last week, not last week, but the last episode that we posted, I would tell our listeners, go back and take some more time with that if this concept really resonates with you. Because this goes hand in hand with what we talked about, about how to lead from different seats at the table. Very similar concepts here. This one is just more about how you handle something that could be more confrontational and knowing when you can't handle it and you need to move on. So Jen, let's talk about the peer that is that person, which is probably the more common version of this, right? I think most of us experience having someone that's difficult to work with, most commonly in a peer relationship where you almost feel like there's not a lot you can do um, about it because you don't have direct influence over them. You have to work with them. This is probably most common and most frustrating. 
It is. And again, I think the biggest thing that we could bring to the forefront is circumstances are always going to vary. Personalities are always going to vary. But don't ignore and find a way to have the most direct and honest conversations you can have as early as possible. Laura, get out my pillow. Keep short accounts. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you always joke about cross-stitching that for me, but I think it's one that's so important. And the reason I land on it is because I've been in too many circumstances where we are so afraid to talk to each other that we don't deal with things. And then they're 10 times worse when when we finally do. And so I can't say it loud enough or enough enough that we need to have open conversations. We can't assume this is also where cultural values like believing the best come into place. Sometimes you might be assuming someone is being that guy or that girl, but there is a piece you're not seeing. And until you ask the question and broach the conversation, you're you're just growing in frustration. So you have to have some interaction, deal with it, don't let it sit. And so let's pick at that a little bit. Um, That was a gross choice of words. Let's let's get into that a little bit more. So I think, you know, you just came at that from a direct conversation. I think there are also ways, um, maybe a little bit more, more indirect, that sometimes you need to handle this. And it's the opportunity to try to put yourself in their shoes. So Mm -hmm. probably a too commonly used phrase. But I think we do have an opportunity when there's a difficult person that we're trying to deal with to take time to think about what is causing that behavior or what might be driving them to behave that way. So if you have someone, um, I'll use a very direct example. For me, a lot of times the quote, that guy or that girl person for me is the one who shows up to meetings or to conversations and they need to either have the last word or they like to introduce new information at an opportunistic moment. Like they've literally held their cards in some cases and bring them and bring up new things, new pieces of information, either in front of someone that could make you look stupid because you didn't already have it under consideration or to engrandize their position, right? It's that person who introduces new information or positions themselves differently when, um, when given the opportunity. They're opportunistic. That is a real frustrator for me and somebody that's difficult to work with. So that shows up at a staff meeting where somebody says, um, I see we have this issue in customer service and you as the leader of customer service have never heard them even bring this up before, right? Mm-hmm. That's a real issue. Um, and in this case, it's a really good thing sometimes to step back and say, what is making them do that? Why are they doing that? And a lot of times what you're going to find out is you have someone who might be dealing with insecurity, right? They feel like they need to prove that they're valuable. Um, Or you're dealing with someone that has um, an issue where they feel like, again, reflecting on a very recent episode, they feel like they're not being heard. So they're doing some very poor things behaviorally to make sure they get heard. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're choosing moments like that. So that gives you a chance if you're willing to pause and recognize that behavior and what the motivation is, you can adjust how you work with them. Hey, Sally, um, how about you and I work together on trying to solve this particular issue? I want to hear what you have to say. 
like very being very pointed about giving them a chance to be heard or walking into a meeting and saying, um, Sally has really good insights on this topic. Let's give her a minute to present them and letting her know that's going to be on the agenda so that she can actually bring you into the conversation ahead um, instead of later. My point being, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to manipulate this person, but I am saying get in their shoes, maybe develop a little bit of empathy and adjust the way you work with them to try to help them get more comfortable because a lot of times poor behavior is a reflection of their discomfort or lack of confidence. I agree. And I think the other thing that you're you're saying in that as well is the acknowledgement too of don't assume you're right. Just because you're feeling like someone else is being that guy or that gal, um, there, there very likely could be other things going on. And you still do have to have room for you could be wrong. You, you could be misreading things completely. And so if you haven't taken the time to really listen, to really hear, to really make sense for understanding more of what's going on, then you perhaps have made a pretty brash assumption that your perspective is the only one and that you clearly understand what's going on. And so there is a humility factor. And I think underlying all of this for me, Laura, is something that you said at the beginning, which is the fact that if you have some clear cultural values, then it makes it easy to identify toxic attitudes and behaviors more quickly and allows space to effectively have good conversations whenever these things happen. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jen. And I just, so one more thing, if you'll allow me the moment, I think um, let's have some really serious real talk right now. We just gave some advice on how you can deal with this person and try to meet them where they are or adjust to these things. Sometimes it just does not work. Jen, if I said to you, we've, I've got somebody I'm dealing with, I've come at it from every angle to Sunday that I can think of, it is still a problem. What's the right next step? I know the wrong next step is to go start gossiping about or trying to submarine this person. Again, back to the don't you be that guy. What is the right next step? I think it is where you've got to pull in somebody else. And, and I know that this gets so complicated and so awkward and it is easier to just hide in a hole somewhere and hope it goes away. But I, I do think there's times when it's not going to work and times when you're going to end up transferring departments because <laughs> that, that guy or gal isn't someone you can work with. But I, I do think you, there have to be conversations happening on multiple levels, especially if you've already had the conversations, especially if you've already tried to understand. I, I do think, you know, structurally, this is where even organizations need to have a sense for here's how we can handle this. Let's go ahead and understand that we're an organization made up of real live people with skin on who are not always going to get along. And let's not make it something that we have to reinvent the wheel every time there is an issue, but there's a clear process in place where we can work on these things. Yeah, I think that's a really good advice, especially for leaders that have in organizational control. Have you created a way for people to express concerns um, constructively so that they're not automatically going into a way that could be destructive to the organization? I think that's a really important point. Create avenues for the constructive conversation when somebody dealing one-on-one doesn't work. Um, and I do think that it's important for all of us to acknowledge that when this is happening and it's just not getting better, not getting better, you need to have the official 
conversation with the right person in the right tone. Don't take it to the break room. Don't take it to your buddy over lunch. Have the right conversation with the right person. Otherwise, you just became part of the problem that exists. So Jen, I put you on the spot, but really solid advice to just remind everybody to use the appropriate channels in the appropriate term. So we're going to come back after um, our next segment. And in the later part of this episode, we're going to cover the obviously missing version of dealing with that person. And it's when that person that is difficult works for you. How are you going to handle it? That's coming up in a little bit. Today on Real Talk, we are going to go to the realest of the real and right in the middle of the current conversation. And it is the fact that Hamilton is available on Disney+. Plus. Laura, how many times have you watched it? Um, I think we're only up to two times in our house, if I'm okay. completely honest. Let's be honest. It's long. So you're, you're making a commitment. You don't just flip this thing on. Well, and it's been out for a week. So we're going to give you that. And you've also seen it on stage. True. And true. so here's where I want to make the connection, Laura. Now, not everyone's seen it. We don't want to give away any major spoilers. So you're okay if you've seen it or if you haven't. But there is a great relationship that is of many relationships that are talked about and told in this story, but the relationship between George Washington and Alexander Hamilton is is a very powerful relationship, and there are more than one occasion where Hamilton is that guy. <laughs> and oh, so, Laura, can you think of the moment in particular that I'm thinking about? We just ended the last segment talking about how you can't bottle and explode. So where am I going? Okay, well, I want to be careful. This is a PG podcast, so I'm going to assume that you um, do not mean anything around the Reynolds papers or the Reynolds pamphlet. I do not. Um, which is also a major that guy moment for yeah. Hamilton, if I yeah. may say so. Um, I think what you're referring to, and I think as is a great example, whether you've seen this Broadway show or not, um, there is a point in the stage where we get to see what's happening in George Washington's office. And Hamilton just loses his absolute cool as General Washington at that time is trying to give him some advice on how he can cool himself down and be a more effective deliberate leader mm -hmm. and um, in the scene Alexander Hamilton loses his mind and yells at George Washington so let's just pause for a moment I mean seriously guys like can you imagine a scenario where you yell at George Washington that just seems so hilarious right like there are a list of people I would never yell at you know Jesus George Washington the Pope right like I think so he just he loses his mind and I think this yeah. is a great example of if you allow everything going around you to bottle up and you don't deal with some of your biggest frustrations in this case Hamilton was frustrated by people that he saw as that guy working mm -hmm. around him that were driving him crazy and instead of dealing with it constructively he didn't so not only did he make a bad choice in how he handled the situation but then he lost his mind on his boss a very high-ranking government military mm -hmm. official mm -hmm. lost his mind on him um, when trying to be coached out of the situation so it's a great example of why when dealing with that guy and that girl you have to deal early and often with the situation so you do not lose your ever loving mind yeah because he lost it and washington as the story goes sent him home the, i yep. mean sent him home and away from the war and away from all that that they were about and certainly needed him but 
but sent him home because he had lost it and he needed that time and space to cool off. So, Laura, I'm sure you and I have never done that. Oh, no, never. So never, we've... never. I have <laughs> never been asked to take my own personal time out from a meeting to calm down and get my stuff together. It's never happened ever yeah. in the last 37 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've all been that person who waited too long to deal with something and then exploded. So there's some real talk straight out of the pages of history and off Broadway and into this podcast. Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. So as we jump back into this conversation of how do you deal with that guy? How do you deal with that girl? We've talked about what do, what do you do when it's your peer and what do you do when it's your boss or a person you report to? But we want to spend this whole segment now talking about what do you do when it's a person who works for you and especially when it's not getting better, when this is a significant issue. And so I want to walk us through really quickly a very broad framework for this, but I want to also acknowledge fully up front, this is a moment of clarification. I have never had to fire someone. And (laughs) it's debatable whether I should have and just haven't or (laughs) if I just haven't. But I have walked through the process of dealing with this could be heading that direction. Laura, on the other hand, has been in managerial roles where she's had to do this, whether or not it was, you know, directly um, her choice or even if she was just the person being sent to do it. So Lara, just really quickly before we lay out a framework, um, is this awesome and everything that you always dream of getting up and doing in the morning? I want to be really clear because I hope I don't come across as like a really crappy person with no, that setup. No, <laughs> sorry. I did yeah, not no. mean that at all. No, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I um, you know, listen, it's just a reality that is out there and I work in obviously a much, much larger um organization than you do and always have across my career so this is a reality I've had to face in different ways than you have yes um so it is what it is it's not because you're a nicer person I'm certainly the nicer person clearly Um, clearly (laughs) just kidding everybody knows that's not true so I do think that let's be this is awful the first time I ever had to let somebody go um please do not judge me listeners I literally almost fell down a stairwell because I was shaking so badly going into the conversation. So that is just calling it directly at, mm-hmm. <laughs> as it could be. I literally stumbled and almost fell on a stairwell because I was shaking so badly. To this day, if I know I have to deal with a dismissal, I am sick to my stomach for weeks as it approaches. Um, it, it is difficult. But you know what I always say? I do not want to ever be the person who approaches this lightly. Um, by any stretch of the imagination. Having said that, I do think it's really important for all of us to internalize that you also don't want to be the person who is unwilling to do the hard thing when Mm -hmm. it becomes necessary. Because if you become the person who won't deal with these issues, it is going to lead to a very difficult decline of your leadership in your business because folks can't think that you're unwilling to deal with trouble. Correct. And Laura has been really helpful to me in some of these moments because you have had to walk through some of these things. And even though I've never gotten all the way to having to let someone go, 
um, I have walked through dealing with things aren't going well and what do we do? And so one of the things that you're going to hear in this as well is that you don't get to firing someone overnight. It, it Unless there are cases, there are obvious exceptions where if there are some behaviors and actions that are grounds for immediate termination. And we won't spend time there. Some of those should be really obvious, but there are grounds for immediate termination. But we are talking specifically about when you've got someone whose performance, whose behavior is not good. And, you know, it, you, you're going to get to that ending point if that's where it leads having gone through some steps and those steps are going to look a little bit different depending where you are but from a general framework standpoint you should be a anyone you'd be in a position to fire should be someone that you're meeting with regularly in good circumstances right like your first conversation with someone about negative behavior shouldn't be your first conversation with them and so we do want to make it clear that there should be a relationship by the time you get there someone should be really clear on the fact that there was a problem and that it was being addressed and so there's going to be conversation there's going to be progress monitoring there's going to be performance plans and and there's going to be different points along the way where you bring in HR where other people become more aware of what's happening but in that general framework Laura let's back up and talk about what are some of the the highlights or the pieces that you would want to make sure that we don't miss in the process of addressing this negative behavior? So you hit the first one, which is definitely none of these conversations should be a surprise. So I'd probably frame it slightly differently than you did just to say, shouldn't be a surprise. What Some of your first conversations could start to highlight some concerns. You There are times where you could be parachuted into a situation where you need to have a reality check with somebody before you've had a lot of time to build relationship. Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility, but you certainly should not be in a position where you are surprising someone by the time you get to the conversation that could lead to dismissal, right? Um, you're building up to that conversation or at least giving them the opportunity to respond to it, which gets me to probably, um, I'm going to pull Stephen Covey and begin with the end in mind here, which is by the time you are dismissing someone, it should have become evident that they have actively fired themselves. What do I mean by that? It's not that they walk in one day and go, oh, just fire me. Though that could happen, I guess, in theory, if you do it, um, depending on the circumstance. But... (laughs) It should mean that there have been discussions, opportunities for improvement, um, performance plans that you've worked through, multiple coaching sessions, um, and opportunities for them to respond to closing the gap that they've not met. Now, mm-hmm. this obviously includes excludes, excuse me, the egregious issue. There is the egregious issue where it's just done. There's mm-hmm. no discussion point. Um, but those yeah. are exceptional. I've very rarely seen it. Those are exceptional, Um, but it's really important that whatever the process is that your organization follows, whether it's 30, 60, 90 day performance improvement plans, often referred to as PIPs, or coaching sessions, or um, getting outside coaching, having HR involvement, whatever the formal process is that's in place, the point would be that by the time you reach the end of it, this employee has essentially created the situation knowingly for themselves. Maybe it's a capability issue that they couldn't close it, um, so they might have never realistically been able to address it. But if it, certainly if it's behavioral, they were given an opportunity to change and improve, and it didn't happen. 
Exactly. And there's two things I would want to draw out from in the midst of that is you mentioned very clearly, you know, there should be a process. And part of what that then assumes is that there's documentation happening. And I know that sounds really basic and obvious, but I think sometimes we wait too long to start a process of clarity. So we're making sure that not only are we clear on the fact that there's a problem that we're actively handling, but are the right people aware of that because we are keeping good notes and knowing that it could go somewhere difficult, do we do we have a clearly documented process of the conversations we've had? And one of the pro tips that I've learned from the HR people in my life, one of them being John Johnson, who's been on this podcast, is that he, he taught me a tip early on that when you're having these conversations sometimes, some things can seem really clear to you and even get documented clearly by you because that's what you believe you've said <laughs> and what everyone has understood. But a really great idea in the process of these conversations is to ask the person you're talking with to, when they leave the conversation, send you an email that basically bullets and and puts in their words a written account of the expectations coming out of the conversation because you're going to find out really quickly is are we on the same page did they hear what i was asking do they know exactly what we're going to be monitoring in this progression and the change that we're expecting to see and I think along with that, I often would like to suggest that I see the why. I want to know that they understand why the improvement is necessary, particularly because what we're really focused on today in this episode is when it's more about behavior than work outcome or content. Why is this important? Um, mm -hmm. I want to see somebody acknowledge the fact that it is disrespectful to talk to somebody like this, or it does not align with our core value of integrity to make this choice, right? Whatever the right example is, um, I want to understand not just the they know what I want them to do to fix it, but they also know why. And that's, you know, it's like parenting, Jen, right? It mm -hmm. is really, I hate to be the parent what, that gets to a conversation and alt that ends with because I told you so, right? I mean, let's be honest, the authority trip is the power trip. The authority is kind of fun to have. But mm -hmm. the reality is if the only reason my kid is doing something is because I told them to do it, they've <laughs> learned nothing. Yeah. Um, and I want them to understand the why. So I think that's a really important step. I love it. Make sure you get a ref documented reflective listening. So in the conversation with these with this employee, you should be consistently asking them to say, so what did you hear me say? How does that sound to you? What could we do to fix this? Let them help bring some of the solutions to the table even, right? What could we do to fix this um, is a really powerful question. How can we work on this together? is a powerful question. But then have them reflect that back in writing in addition to verbally to really drive it home. I love that you pulled in the parenting connection to that as well because you make a really good point that you don't just want them to do it because you told them to, but even when you're asking them those questions that you just mentioned and helping to own the solution, what you're really also trying to get to in the middle of this conversation is... I don't want you to end up staying and improving your performance simply because you don't want to get fired. If, if you're at a point where you're clearly having this conversation, then the person should know this is where this is going. Like I've got to hit these things 
or this is done. But somewhere in the middle of that conversation, there needs to be a shift from I'm doing these things so I don't get fired to I'm doing these things because I actively want to be part of this organization. I actively want to engage, to grow, and I'm doing something that matters. Because it doesn't help if someone changes something just to make the person happy. And so I think and it's not sustainable, right? Yes, Jen? exactly. Not only does it not You're going to be there again. That you will be back in that situation faster than you ever dreamed. And guess what? They're not happy either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there's a reason that that's something that's important to them, they might be able to go somewhere else where it's okay, and they're going to be happier as well. Yeah. Nope. Everybody. Everybody has to want to be there at the end, or you are. You're just going to be right back. Okay. So here's the thing. We know there's tons of stuff that we didn't talk about because we were pretty quickly getting to the what if this doesn't go well. But next week we are going to reengage this conversation and spend more time talking about mentoring and coaching relationships where. The, the goal is that you have a really good person that's there. They've got some behaviors that aren't aligning, but you have an opportunity to mentor and to coach in some really effective ways. And I can't wait to have that conversation. But Laura, thank you for talking us through the tough moment of sometimes you can't coach your way out and you're simply going to have to let someone go. Thanks for listening to this conversation on dealing with that guy or that girl. Today's memory lane moment takes us to Bandelier National Park, which is a really cool park out west um, that gives you an opportunity to explore some Native American history um, combined with the American West um, in a beautiful, beautiful atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, Jen and I were there years ago um, with our parents, along with a large group of people that were doing a mission trip in Arizona. Um, for a week and this was kind of one New of the Mexico. side doors. We were in New Espanola, Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. Oh my lord, Jen. I don't even have my states right. <laughs> in, Grand a future me- in a future memory lane moment, we will cover Laura's educational um, background <laughs> and geography. So Look, this was a long we time in, ago. <laughs> yeah, so we were in New Mexico, which is where Bandelier National Park is. Um, point is still the same. We were on a mission trip, went on this side tour and I got to tell you that I remember it being an incredible place, but the best part of the memory is the fact that it was a turned into a role reversal for us. So we often hear the phrase, <laughs> while um, the cat's away, the mice will play. In this case, it's while the kids are away, the adults will play. Jen, tell on our parents. This was so great. These are the moments that every kid needs in their back pocket because, you know, it was a role reversal. So we got to the park. We were in a couple vans, the group that had been doing the work together that week and we had been working hard and and doing a lot of different things and so this was our opportunity to let loose a little bit to go and just do something fun together and for all of the kids that were along we were at that point in middle school and high school and so when we got to the park they told the kids that we could explore um, on our own which we were thrilled to do we we felt all awesome and so we ran off to go find waterfalls and to follow the different trails and the paths and see what we could see and the adults went a different direction but what was hysterical was the moment that we're off having fun enjoying the things that we're finding in each other and one of the adults came and found us to tell us that it was 
gonna be time to leave and we were very confused because we hadn't been there that long and we knew what time we were supposed to be back to the visitor center and it wasn't that time yet and it turns out that the adults had needed the free time even more than we did they just got slap happy and were having a good time they didn't hurt anything or do anything destructive but they were being loud enough and silly enough that the park rangers asked us to leave the park so it was amazing so we got kicked out we got terminated we got fired from the national park system that day is that how you remember it laura it is how i remember it it's a fantastic memory um and one that i'm sure our parents will not be particularly thrilled that was publicly <laughs> shared um but i feel like at some point in time we'll have another episode where we give them the chance to um push back and bring some reality on all the places that we had to leave because we wouldn't shut up so turnabout turnabout will occur but until then please picture us not in arizona but at bandelier national park new mexico having the time of our lives to the point of dismissal that's memory lane moment thanks for joining us Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Sisters of Industry. We hope that this episode made you laugh, made you think, and had you thinking, hey, I should go leave a review on Apple Podcasts for Jen and Laura. Please take the time to drop a review or to share us on Instagram and Facebook with your friends, and we'd love any feedback you have to offer. Until next time, have an industrious day. Sisters, business, what can go wrong? Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sisters of Industry. Join us weekly as Laura and Jen reflect on their shared upbringing and divergent life experiences to draw out lessons to help us all lead and live meaningful, industrious lives. <laughs>